Good morning, church family. Welcome to our 845 service here at Desert Hills. We're excited about all the things that God is doing. Excited to have Community Appreciation Sunday, and we'll be recognizing all of our public servants here in the second service. In fact, I think we have a, an ambulance or an EMS uh, vehicle that's going to be on site for our young people to tour. And then also, we're planning on having a fire engine. And I don't know about the kids being excited, but I'm excited to go outside and see the fire engine. And that's going to be uh, uh, there at, uh, I think there should be on campus right about now or coming close to it. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, please take them and turn them to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. We have three verses this morning. I've timed this several times. I have between 21 and 23 minutes of a message this morning, okay? And so some of you are going to be very early to Cracker Barrel, all right? You're going to beat the big crowds. And the title of my message this morning is, Do We Understand the Time? Now, next week, I'll finish up our study in the book of Ephesians on the transformational church, and we'll have one last message dealing with spiritual warfare uh, between our text this morning and what we'll get to next week. Uh, we've gone through in our summer series on the family and uh, we've dealt with that, and so we'll close out the book next week dealing with the subject of spiritual warfare, and no one will want to miss that. Now, since the time of the apostles, Christians have believed that they were living in the last times. In fact, Paul writing to Timothy said this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. All you have to do is look at social media. All you have to do is look at the news, and it seems like we're living there right now. Then Paul further on describes this in verse 2. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Look at any social media feed, look at uh, uh, the prevailing thoughts on Facebook or Instagram, and it's easy to see that men are lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I know all of you parents here this morning, your children are angels. They've never disobeyed you. They always do what they are told. It goes on to say, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Paul wrote to the Roman Christians about waking up because they were on borrowed time. And here's what he said. He said, it is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. Paul believed that he was living in the last times. In fact, he thought Jesus could come in his lifetime, and he was encouraging the church to wake up because now their salvation was nearer than when they first believed. He writes, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. We too are living in the last times. I mean, all you have to do is look at the signs of the times. According to Ezekiel 38, we see several ancient prominent nations that are rattling their swords today. One of those nations is called Tagarma in the book of Ezekiel 38, which is modern-day Russia. Another nation is called Persia, which is modern-day Iran. 
And then in Ezekiel 38, the reference to the kings of the east, I believe is speaking to none other than China. Now, Russia unsettled the world first by taking Crimea from Ukraine. And then earlier this year, a full-on invasion of Ukraine took place with the possibility of sending all of us into a world war. China is currently rattling their sword, uh, claiming territory in the South China Sea and in the Straits of Taiwan, threatening to invade Taiwan, sending the world into war. And Iran is simply being Iran, threatening Saudi Arabia, threatening Jordan, threatening Israel, and threatening always death to America. Now, it would seem plausible that we are living amongst the signs of the times. And as Christians, we understand that the next prophetic event on God's timetable is the catching up of the saints or the rapture of the church. Now, it's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, we're in the church age right now. We understand we're in this dispensation or time of grace, and we understand uh, that when the catching of the saints takes place, when the, the Christians are raptured up from this world, uh, we understand uh, sometime after that, the seven-year tribulation period will begin. At the end of that seven-year tribulation period, there's a great battle known as the Battle of Armageddon, and then there's the millennial reign, and then there's the glorious kingdom. Now, our responsibility as Christians is to understand the time. We are to understand what time it is. We are to walk with our eyes wide open. We're not to live like we're in darkness. We are no longer in darkness as Christians. We were sometimes darkness, but now we're children of the light, and we are to walk as children of the light. In fact, the Bible tells us as Christians that we need to be ready for the last time. In fact, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the church at Thessalonica, said this, But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief, you are the children of the light, and the children of the day, we are not of the night, nor of we, are we of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So my question to you this morning is, do we understand the time? Do we understand the time in which we live? Do we understand what is taking place and what God is doing in and amongst us? Do we understand what is going on in our world? Now, if we are to understand the time, the Bible tells us in our text that we need to be careful of the path in which we walk. Notice the text, verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, wisdom is a prominent subject all throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Proverbs. In fact, Proverbs tells us that there's four types of people uh, that uh, can be categorized in all the world. There is the wise man. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge, and the wise man uses his knowledge in the right way. There's the simple man. 
The simple man is simply ignorant. He does not know. He, he uh, doesn't understand what's going on. There is the uh, uh, foolish man who understands right and wrong but rejects what's right. And then there's another guy called the scorner. And the scorner not only rejects what is right, he tries to get others to reject it with him. Now, it's interesting, uh, the first third of the book of Proverbs pictures wisdom crying in the streets, calling to those that are wise and in pursuit of God to claim her. And then that first third ends in chapter 9 with these words. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. My point is this, the Bible tells us that using knowledge that God gives us and seeking to live in awareness of him and knowing him will allow us to apprehend wisdom. And here's what our text says in reference to wisdom. It says that we need to walk circumspectly. Literally, we need to walk or live our lives carefully, precisely, accurately, and on purpose. In fact, here's what one commentator wrote. He said there are two great days in a person's life. The day they are born and the day that they discover why. The day that they discover why. I ask you this morning, have you discovered your why? You see, God's Word tells us that we need to understand our why by walking accurately, walking precisely, walking carefully, walking purposefully. It is the wise thing to do. Now, someone foolish is ignorant to the fact that God gives them his life as a gift and as a stewardship. And here's what we look at as we see the text. It says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We need to ask ourselves, are we utilizing the life that God has given us? Are we wisely valuing each day, living precisely, living accurately, living carefully, and living on purpose? The fact of the matter is we're all going to die someday. No one will live forever. It's like the old saying goes, there are two things that are sure in life, death and... And it seems like they keep going up. Amen. Now, most think chronologically that the first book of the Bible written was Genesis. Now, I understand that the book of Genesis speaks about the beginning of everything. But chronologically, the first book written was the book of Job. And Job was a unique man in his day. In fact, Job was, many believe, a contemporary to Abraham. And Job was a man that uh, when Satan went to and fro in all the earth trying to find somebody that uh, uh, was a good dude, uh, uh, there was only one guy that stood head and shoulders above them all. In fact, the Bible says that Job was, uh, uh, he feared God and eschewed evil. In other words, he, he avoided it. And, and Satan threw all that he had at Job, and in all of that, Job did not curse God. Job did not deny God. Job said things like this, though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. But Job understood that he wasn't going to live forever. And here's what Job tells us in Job 14. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. It's not always full of trouble. It's not always seeming like it's few days. But if you want to wrap it up in one little phrase, man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. 
He cometh like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth as a shadow and continueth not. I think if Job could tell us one thing, if he could tell us how to live, he would tell us to live carefully, precisely, accurately, understanding as a wise person that our lives are given to us as a gift from God. And that's why Paul writes, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, as we understand the time, we need to be careful of the path we walk. Secondly, we need to be careful of the present that we have. Notice the text, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, all of us have the same amount of time. There are 86,400 seconds in a day. Every one of us, if we go through a day, we all have the same 86,400 seconds. Now, all of us have the same amount of time as it, as it goes as far as reference in a year. There are 31,536,000 seconds in a year. And all of us, if we live out a year, have the same amount of time. But here's the point. We are either a slave to our time or we make time serve us. Now, the word redeem has the idea of freeing someone who is in bondage with the intent of freeing them so that they can be free. In the context, it says that we are to redeem the time. We are to free our time so that we can be free to do things that are of utmost importance. In other words, we are to make good use of every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day. We are to take care of the present that we have. Now, we all have priorities. Big, big rocks in the jar. I mean, big priorities. We understand God is a priority. Family is a priority. Church is a priority. And others are a priority. We understand we have to get things done. We have to get haircuts. We have to change the oil in our cars. We have to do things that are, necess are necessities of life. And we put those big rocks in the jar. And then everything else we pour in after that. But oftentimes in our priorities, we do all these little things and we forget the most important things. And we're supposed to put the priorities first and everything else goes in around those priorities. But sometimes we let it get turned around. And when we do that, we're not making the best use of our time. I don't know if you know this, but the average lifespan for human beings today in 2022 is 79.3 years. This rope is 79 feet. Now, in that 79 years, uh, we spend 33 years in bed. So, 33 years. All right, let's see, I'm getting there. 33 years in bed, right up to here. Now, 26 of those years we spend sleeping. Seven of those years we spend trying to get to sleep. <laughs> we spend 13 years and two, two months during our lifetime working. Some of you way less. <laughs> 
We spend 11 years and four months on screen time, eight years and four months watching the television, and three years looking at uh, devices. Now, we understand soon that will probably change. It'll get turned around the other way, but that's how much time we spend on screens. We spend four years and six months eating. Four years and six months eating, right there. We spend three years and one month and three weeks on vacation. <laughs> there we go, right there. Some of you are saying, I don't. <laughs> I never get a vacation. That's for the average person, all right? We spend one year and four months exercising, right up to here. We spend one year and 30 days on romance. Some of you need to get a longer romance, amen? <laughs> one year and 30 days on romance. We spend one year and three days socializing. We spend 334 days in school. We spend 235 days in line. Uh, wait, waiting in line, waiting in traffic, waiting for a phone call, etc. We spend 115 days right here laughing. Uh, men spend 46 days uh, getting ready right here, this space between here and here. And women spend 136 days getting ready. And then the rest, eight years and two months, we get to clean. Amen. We get to enjoy family, we, we get to make memories, we get to commute, we get to share life. This is your life. It's my life. Now, and I'm not just throwing it down, all right? I'm just pull, putting it down on the ground. Now, I have lived and pastored long enough to hear a lot of regrets. And I've never had anybody tell me that I regret that I haven't spent more time at the office I've never had anybody tell me that they regretted not spending more time at work. But I have had a lot of people tell me that they regretted not using the time on the people they've loved. Fifty people over the age of 95 were asked one question. They were asked, if you had your life to do over again, what would you do differently? What a great question to ask to a group of people that had a cumulative life experience of about 5,000 years. And here was their response. Three answers emerge. We would risk more, we would reflect more, and we would do more things that live on after we die. So I ask you this morning, are we serving our time or are we allowing our time to serve us. Are we using our time to make sure we do what's most important first? Or are we, and are we buying back, making full use of all of that time? The Bible tells us that we are to redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, it's interesting to note that the word time in our text is a, is a word in the Greek, which is kairios. It's not the word genos. It's not the word, uh, any of the other words that are used for time in the Greek language. There's seven of them. And it translates to a moment that is especially significant or favorable. So Paul believed that he and the Ephesians were living during a favorable moment in history. Even though he was in prison, even though the church was situated in a community of immense sensuality and darkness, even though they were dealing with persecution, they were to make use of the moment that God had placed them in. Why? Because the days were evil. 
the days were dark and the days were getting darker and this was their opportunity to shine as lights in the darkness this was their time and let me say this morning it's our time it's our time to shine now, Paul had just told the Ephesians that as believers, they needed to, to wake up. They needed to understand that they were sometimes darkness, and now they're children of the light, and that they were to awake to that fact. In fact, he says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Now, some of us may need to also wake up. We need to have a change of behavior to live like children of light, and, and possibly some here may need a change of heart about Jesus. Do you know in reference to time, Jesus came at the right time? In fact, the Bible says this in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Jesus came at the right time to give man an opportunity to be adopted into God's family. Which brings me to the question this morning, have you been adopted into God's family? Have you received Jesus as the gift of God, which is eternal life? Have you received him? Now, for believers, we need to understand this is our time. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Here's how Peter wanted to explain the same concept to the Christians that were scattered in Cappadocia and Bithynia as Peter was used of God to write 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, you are a chosen generation. Chosen, literally he was saying, to, to reach their generation. Chosen to reach the people in their era. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You see, as we understand the time, we need to secondly be careful of the present we have. And then lastly, we need to be perceptive of what God is doing. Now notice the text, verse 17, it says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, most of the time when we think of the will of God, most of us would understand that much of God's will is revealed to us in his word. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, we need to be wise by seeking God's word on a regular basis to understand his will as it's revealed in his word, how to live, how to respond, how to feel, what to believe, how to treat others, yes. But if Paul was being used of God to write to the Ephesians about understanding God's revealed will as found in the Bible, he would have said as much. But instead, God uses him to write, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Paul here is asking believers to be aware of what God is doing in the here and now and act in accordance with that opportunity. Now, to be wise according to this verse would mean to perceive where God is going and what he is doing and to jump on board. 
to perceive where God is going and what he is doing and then to jump on board. Now, church family, let me speak to you for just a moment. Do you realize since the inception of our church, dozens of families have been added to our church each and every year? Do you realize that? Do you realize that in 15 years we've seen several hundred people saved and several hundred people follow the Lord in believer's baptism? Do you realize that? Now, the largest Protestant denomination in the U.S., their churches average about 75 people. They average baptizing per church three people per year, and their membership is declining precipitously. Now, I'm not saying that to criticize that, them. I'm saying this for you and I to recognize that God is doing something here at Desert Hills. He is taking us somewhere, and he's doing something wonderful, and we all need to jump on board. We all need to jump on board. So what opportunities has God opened in your life that you need to jump on board in? What opportunities has God opened up for you to allow this time, this moment, to further what God is doing? Who can you witness to? Who can you invest in? How can you give? Who can you mentor? What can you do to utilize the moments that God has given you as a gift more perfectly? The Bible says don't be unwise. Understand what God is doing and where he is going and jump on board. Why? Because we're all running out of time. You know, James puts it this way. James says, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and yet gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Now, three things to be reminded of this morning. Walk a careful, precise, and accurate path. Don't be haphazard the gift of life that God has given you. Secondly, be careful with the present you have. Allow time to serve you instead of you serving your time. And lastly, be perceptive of what God is doing and jump on board. Why? Why? Because we're all running out of time. Before we know it, time is going to be up. And we won't have any time left to do anything with our life. Let's all pray.